Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Well, hello and welcome to the show with me, Gillian Gossel. Today, I've gone out on a limb. I've got this famous photographer who's known by one name only, Platon, like Prince, for example, who has an amazing uh, history and legacy and who's now involved, well, he's too young to have a history and legacy, but he does, but he's wow. now involved in crypto and doing some amazing things. So, Platon, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Great to talk to you. You can tell I'm a bit excited. So I've been looking at your stuff, right? Now you, uh, you know, Time Magazine, New Yorker, you've done all the big things. And what's truly amazing about you is all your portraits. And this is what, what comes to the heart of the story I mentioned. But like you've done, you, I was looking at a video earlier that you did when you interviewed President Bill Clinton. Mm. And you said mm. to yourself, this is probably the only time I'll interview, or, or sorry, interview, sorry, photograph a president. Mm. So mm. what did you ask him? Well, you know, um, there are moments when time stands still. I'm sure we've all had those moments. And um, you talk to yourself and you say, come on, what have I got to lose? I'm a complete imposter. You know, I don't really, it's a miracle. I said to myself that day that I'm standing in front of the most powerful man in the world. And it, and it was a complete fluke really that I was there. So I thought, well, why should I just do the usual boring magazine type headshots that everyone just keeps insisting you know we've got to find a way to be authentic and in a place where everyone is trying to put on an act and trying to express this idea of power and express this idea of being supreme and somehow better than ordinary people you know behind all that facade there's a there's a human being you know, who who struggles through the day or has a sense of humor. or It's a three-dimensional experience. And my job is to tap into that humanity and try and show the world what it's really like to be in the presence of some of the most powerful and important people in history, whether they are in powerful positions or whether they've been robbed of power and they are in the front line of revolutions and human rights issues around the world. And most of my work today is, is focused on people like that. But with Clinton, you know, I had just a few seconds left and the White House were going to shut down the shoot. And so uh, I shouted out to get his attention. I said, Mr. President, will you show me the love? And there was silence in the room. And I think it was his uh, uh, one of his chief advisors leaned forward and said, uh, Mr. President, whatever you do, do not show him the love. I think we've had enough love in this administration, Mr. President. And then Clinton says, shut up, shut up. I know what he means. And he put his hands on his knees and gave me charisma. And uh, he knew what I wanted. And in a weird way, you know, there are some moments in the 90s um, that, that we look back, at least those of us who le lived a privileged life in the 90s, where there was no real trauma, no, many people struggle, but... For ordinary people, we look back at the 90s as a sort of great time where uh, things were okay. And one of our biggest, you know, scandals was that the president had sexual relations in the White House, uh, in the Oval Office. Bring them back. Um, How nice it would be. Bring so them back. There was to worry about. You know, 
Oasis are now talking about Nebworth, you know, in 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 the UK as a moment before we had real before the internet just took over everybody's life, and before we felt the need to constantly share and document, and and that's lovely to share and document with technology, but it can also take away from the moment of connection between people. And even though I am there in front of Clinton to document and share, unless I make contact, there's nothing to share. I'm just sharing an exercise in photography. No one cares about that. And that's what we're seeing everywhere all the time. It's just an exercise in either photography or writing or storytelling, but there's no genuine human connection. And I think now, especially with COVID, we're all longing for a sincere connection with each other. We've all been robbed of it. We, we all quarreled in the past. We all realized that we took it for granted. And more than anything, just to be in the room with someone and have a, make, make real friends, you know, not just play at it, actually connect. And, and that's a very important thing to do. And C CEOs of huge corporations that I speak to all the time, they're all struggling with that right now. Politicians are struggling with that right now. Um, big, powerful politicians. And so are ordinary people like myself. Uh, all of us, we're all struggling to refine that connection. That's my job. Mm. I think though you have a knack of getting under the skin of people. Mm -hmm. So with, with Clinton, it was show me the love. That was just the just genius that came out. <clears throat> and I read some of the things with Putin. You asked him about the Beatles. You had a conversation with Putin yeah. about the Beatles. Who would have thought of that before you went to shoot that man? I mean, no one would have advised you. No, no consultant no. would have said, oh yeah, bring up the Beatles. He's sure to like Paul from the Beatles. <laughs> well, they always, they always say, don't do this stuff. You know, they, uh, I'm actually breaking the rules every time of, of sort of decorum or usual power behavior. Uh, you're supposed to toe the line, but I believe as long as you are, I think it's more important to be curious rather than judgmental. Yes. All right. Now, obviously I have very uh, strong views about the world, about morality, about politics, about human rights, so I'm not a pushover and I'm not naive. I've seen the highs and lows of life that can be thrown at people. Um, but my job is to be, be always curious. And I, if I could send a message to everybody right now, it's that this idea of constant judgment before we really have got to the bottom of something is, is, is a really dangerous thing. You know, just for one second, suspend your judgment and ask some questions or even listen. You might learn something. It might change your perception. It will certainly broaden your, your idea of context. And even if you still fundamentally disagree with the person's actions in life, um, at least you might understand them a little more. What drives their actions? With, with Putin, um, I'm a genuine Beatles fan. My son is called Jude. My dog is called Sergeant Pepper. It's, it's like I'm a fanatic. So it's a genuine question that I was interested in. How did Russia, particularly the old days of the Soviet Union, uh, um, sort of deal with a global popular culture phenomenon? You know, and it's a, 
it's a problem for a, a, an authoritarian an authoritarian government like that you know do you pretend it doesn't exist and build a wall around your people or do you allow certain things in and if you do build a wall what about the people who are running the country they know about it do they secretly listen to the beatles so it was a genuine question and the funny thing is it allowed me in because he realized that i am not going to be intimidated by their power system or anyone's power system i'm just an ordinary human being that wants to connect and you know he brushed his assistants aside and his advisors like clinton did in a totally different way uh it was just me putin and all his bodyguards left in the room and um we had a conversation about his favorite beatles song and and it allowed me to get an inch and a half away from his nose as i was focusing the camera and i could feel his breath on my hand as i focused and that's how i got the truth that that is the face of power and authority in russia and I wouldn't ironically have got that close, that intimate with him if I hadn't dared to break through and be a human being with him. Mm. I know you and you've got many stories with people that and they sit on the orange box and you come close to them yeah. and it's just you're almost breathing on them, they're breathing on you. You also mentioned too as well, you're very interested in human rights and activism. Where does that come from? Well, gradually I've always had a, you know, my father and mother brought me up to be respectful and to, to be kind to people. Um, and through my work, I got introduced to certain issues that were, were going on, not just in America or in the UK uh, or in Europe, but in very troubled regions around the world. But I also started to get frustrated that um, the magazine industry that I used to work for, um, wasn't always talking about the important issues of our time and you know when you're a photographer you're working for a magazine you you know they think of you as a gun for hire and i'm not that guy you know i'm not working for anybody uh, i work with people i'll collaborate with them if i am working for anyone now it's for human rights defenders around the world and they're the only people i'm really proud to say i work for them i am at their service um, to amplify their voices so gradually I got access to these important stories and I started to collaborate with people like Human Rights Watch or United Nations. And then through the, the New Yorker, which, was, which is one of the greatest magazines, if not, if not the greatest magazine, um, that they, uh, they introduced me uh, to civil rights in America. And I did a huge project, spent about a year and a half working on it. And I got to have private counsel with all the civil rights heroes in America um, who, uh, who changed America's conscience. So I got to spend a day with Muhammad Ali. I got to spend a day with Congressman John Lewis, the Little Rock Nine. And uh, they all gave uh, Martin Luther King's closest friends and advisors. And they all gave me advice about being an activist and, and how to do it, because I didn't know. So I set up my own foundation so we raise our own money. It's called the People's Portfolio. And um, we, 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 uh, we amplify people's voices around the world who are being ignored. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of human rights community, uh, at, um, a lot of human rights sort of um, NGOs talk about this idea of giving a voice to the voiceless. Um, you know, when you travel around the world, these people are not voiceless. They have a voice. They're just being ignored. It's a fundamental difference. 
So I rather call it amplifying the voices of people who who have been uh, brushed aside or or robbed of power uh, in society. And it's a great privilege for me to 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 tell their stories. And um, you know, it's it's much more inspiring as well. You know, I mean, after a while, if you've been around in enough sort of famous, powerful, rich, privileged people, um, you know, it's like eating too many sweets in a sweet shop. You know, it, it goes nowhere. Okay, so you got a few benchmarks on, you know, on your career and you did okay, but uh, what are you going to do with it? You know, how do you be useful in society? Is an ultimate power helping somebody rather than pursuing this, this sort of facade of supremacy? Martin Luther King always said, beware of the illusion of supremacy. And I never forgot that. And I always thought when I'm in the presence of someone who is supposed to be supreme, I always thought, well, what, what, would, what would my hero say about this moment? They're just a person just like you and me. Yeah. And sometimes they are trapped in this idea of supremacy. They know they're not supreme. They know they're not better than anybody else, but they're trapped in this sort of uh, notion that they have to constantly give the impression that they are. And I know because I see it behind the scenes. So I see that the struggle that they often have. Um, and, uh, and if you're honest with people, you know, you, you, uh, it's a great leveler. Yeah. So I treat everyone the same, whether it's a human rights defender or activist or a former political prisoner or a head of state or government. They're all people. Be nice, be kind, be curious. Be curious, yeah, it's cool. Did, is that what led you to look at crypto and blockchain or was it NFTs and art? How did you get down that rabbit hole? Well, the thing about um, artists is that artists have always used the latest technology. That's mm. what art is. You know, it's, it's taking the latest um, vehicle, but putting inside it something that's timeless, which is storytelling. So... I saw all this explosion with NFTs um, and I thought it was the, the technology itself was really interesting. The idea behind it is really interesting. But I also saw that uh, a lot of people were making NFTs that were, were kind of, uh, John Lennon would always refer to something as a gimmick, you know, like what is your gimmick? And it, and it felt like a lot of it was was gimmicky you know they were gamifications they were you know something that does a little something and something and i thought my goodness we're living in such an extraordinary time where we i mean it's the greatest crisis uh, in a hundred years maybe more and and we're also facing climate change and there are new tensions political tensions around the world and even within all our countries within society um, we've got more division than we've ever had before um, so it's time to take that technology and try to to put storytelling back into it and I'm not saying I'm the only one by any means but I just thought well let, let's see if we can do something with this and stimulate respectful debate I wouldn't even be talking to you today if if I wasn't doing uh, these nfts so for me already it's it's a score 
because I get to talk to someone who has an important position in the media, who gets to reach more and more people about the times we're living in. Um, so it's working already. So I believe in storytelling, which is something that's completely traditional and old fashioned. You know, your, your grandparents told you stories when you were a little kid and they passed on um, ideas about how to live a good and righteous life, right? And, um, and yet we've got all this incredible new technology. Um, so why not, why not put them together? So that's what I did. And your first I, and drop it, was with uh, Legend Art and it was, you took your portraits of which yeah. you have many and yeah. then explain what you did with them. You, you well, I thought it, it all goes back to this idea if we look at how we are right now. And I do think we're all still rushing. We're all still racing. And we're not taking a moment enough to just take a deep breath and pause. COVID has forced that on us, on a lot of us. Um, but it's an opportunity for us to pause and get some perspective of where we are. I know we're all struggling right now and we're all trying to pivot and adapt. Klaus Schwab, my teacher from the World Economic Forum, refers to this as the, the Great Reset. Um, and it has to not just be how business works, it has to be how we feel as human beings and how we connect to our time. And if you look at what's happening, we're more divided than ever before. There are so many powerful forces driving us apart, whether it's social media, whether it's politicians uh, dividing us for votes, whether it's um, journalists covering fact with opinion to promote that, to, to stoke the fire for their own viewers and readership, um, whether it's COVID physically driving us apart. And now we're just dealing with this, you know, via Zoom all the time or other, other you know, uh, platforms like Zoom. So it's created this notion of tribalism of lack of genuine content contact and um we've almost become frightened now to connect with each other for fear of offending each other because at the same time you've got these incredible people movements happening on the streets like black lives matter the me too movement these are all very powerful voices coming from the street from people who have a lot of pain and have not been respected in society as they should be. Um, so what that's done, the people at the top are hearing all this, this, these voices, they're seeing the soup, they're seeing great risks with being human with each other, with being honest with each other in case we say the wrong thing. Cancel culture is now driving this sense of accusation and judgment. So we all just say, okay, I'm just retreating back to my corner. I think that's the worst thing we could do. It's the most dangerous thing we could do. I do believe in reaching out the hand of friendship and we will make mistakes and there will be risks, but we have to be humble about our mistakes and correct ourselves as quick as possible. Um, we all do that. I'm sure you do that in your life. That's called growth. That's called developing, moving forward. So I had this idea, how do we play on the idea of curiosity and judgment. And you've got these pictures of whether it's Putin 
whether it's Comey, whether it's Kobe Bryant or Harvey Weinstein or George Clooney or Spike Lee, whoever it may be, or Harry Styles, what happens if I strip away most of my picture, 90, about 97% of my picture, and leave you with the bit that uh, perhaps is most important, which is the window into someone's humanity, which is their eye, their iris, but it's strangely enough, the most intimate part of your body, but the part that you don't even recognize. If I showed you an iris of yourself, you wouldn't even know it's your iris. I wouldn't know. And yet it's, it's the one thing we look into each other's eyes and we feel love or we feel resentment. We feel if you've hurt someone, you need to look in their eyes to feel that stuff. So I created this, this project called I Love You, I Hate You. Because you want to have a judgment. If I show you a picture of Harry Styles, you want to, you want to love him, right? Everybody yeah. loves Harry. If I show you a picture of uh, Harvey Weinstein, he's an absolute monster of our time. And uh, obviously, uh, we, want, we, we look at his face and we make an instant judgment. But if I strip away your capacity to do that, and I say, this eye could be could be Bill Clinton's eye, it could be Alicia Keys' eye, or it could be Harvey Weinstein's eye. It leaves you questioning how humanity works. And maybe not everyone is all good, and maybe not everyone is all bad. When I took a picture of Harvey Weinstein, that picture at the time represented bad boy Hollywood swagger. People kind of thought he was like this gangster Cray twins kind of character in Hollywood. Now it's been turned on its head, rightly so, and it represents an absolute monster who abused his power in, in, and authority in the media. So the human condition, people who do bad things have a capacity to have charm. That in, in my book makes them even more menacing. And, and people who can be kind of mean on the surface, behind the scenes can be really beautiful people. You just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So I think it's time for us all to start asking questions, not just about the powerful people in society and, and we live through them, but actually it, to, to kickstart some respectful conversations about our own role during this time. And maybe now it's time for us all to think about our own legacy. Because when our time is done, we are also going to look back at our careers, at our time with our families, our loved ones, and say, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? Was it all good? Did we make mistakes? Of course we did. That's what being alive is. But the, the most important thing, something that Edward Snowden said to me once, he said, the line between right and wrong is not always bright. And all of us at some point in our lives will cross over that line. But what makes an honorable person is someone who recognizes that they crossed over and, and they do everything in their power to bring themselves and the people around them back to the right side of history. So that's what this is about. We can't keep blaming the politicians for all the screw ups in the world because we can all play a part today. We've all got great technology. Um, we've all got the capacity to inquire about, are we hurting the environment? We've all got the, the, 
the tools now to find out if the sneakers or trainers you're wearing were made in a sweatshop or if the semi-precious minerals in your mobile devices came from a mine in the Congo that's using forced child labor. So we can find that stuff out, but instead we're photographing our dinner and our cocktails and sending them to each other on Instagram, pretending we're cooler than we really are. And I, I'm trying to, to kickstart a people's movement of self-reflection and self-accountability, that it's actually the most powerful people in the world are not the people in seemingly in control. It's us because we vote and we're customers. So actually we are the most powerful people in the world. We just don't know it. We haven't been educated to think like that. So we go through life, you know, sort of being carried along by the tides in and out, up and down. But once in a while, I've seen it. I was in the Egyptian revolution and I, I saw a people's movement come from the street. And I was in 9-11 and I saw what happened when, when things go horribly wrong in society. And I've seen devastation. I've seen the highs and lows. I feel really privileged to have seen all that. So this project is really about that. Here, I'm releasing a set of irises every few months to provoke everybody to think. And when you buy it, you don't know what you're buying. You don't you know. What you can see it, but you can't, yeah. you can't identify who it might be. Yeah, but as you, as, you, as you purchase it, the identity, the identity is revealed. So you are kind of gambling, mm -hmm. but that's what life is. When you make friends with someone, you don't always know if they're a great person. When you work for a company, you don't always know if they're a great company at the beginning. So you've got to take a risk. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's what this is about. That's so cool. And I like the whole thing. Be curious, not judgmental. That's a, a very powerful you know, philosophy to live by in life. So it's pretty cool. Tell me about your involvement with uh, the Pussy Riot lady, Nadia. Yeah, Nadia Tolokonikova. Tolokonikova. Thank you very much. So Nadia is a legend of our time. Yeah. Um, I had the privilege to work with Nadia and Masha, uh, her friend, both who were put in prison, in a Siberian prison for mm. two years. In a penal colony. I didn't think they existed anymore. Yeah. I mean, uh, this, this, you know, we don't have these types of problems, right? So it's a different world for them. Mm. They came to see me a few months after they were released from prison to be photographed in my studio. And it was a bizarre experience because I had Putin on the walls. I've got all my presidents on the walls. And for them to see their nemesis up so close and personal. Um, and I was fascinated because we think of Pussy Riot as this feminist punk rock group that's so powerful, so defiant, uh, militant. But I saw beautiful human beings without the masks. I saw the price they paid for fighting for women's rights, for LGBTQ rights, fighting against excessive nationalism. I saw the price in, the, in, their, in their soul and they paid a heavy price. And they, I remember at the beginning, I had to earn their trust because I, they didn't even know if, if they, they didn't know who to trust in the media because the, the worst thing that can happen to serious activists like them is that the media turns them into pop stars. 
They tried to do it with Edward Snowden. They're doing it right now with Greta Thunberg. You know, we forget about the genuine actions people take and the genuine um, uh, stories they have to tell. And we get, we start to think of them as celebrities like everybody else. And so for people in these positions who are genuine activists, they have a real difficult challenge on their hands to work with the media, but to, to keep trying to do it in a dignified, uh, respectful way that's true to their cause. Yeah. So we hit it off straight away. And um, so I thought now we're doing this thing with NFTs. Uh, I'm writing a book about all my human rights experiences. And I started to, to read up a lot more about Nadia. And I read her closing statement uh, at her trial. And it's one of, it will go down. If I've got anything to do with it, it will go down in history as our generation's one of our greatest speeches. So she was put in a courtroom in a glass box, like a cage with her two other colleagues from Pussy Riot. And the judge said before sentencing, would, would you like to make a closing statement? Now they knew they're gonna go down in prison. So Nadia had written out some hand scribbled notes on a piece of paper. Um, she didn't have access to any books or anything. So she knew she would have to make a few remarks. So she stood up, took a deep breath and read from the notes in her hand. And she basically turned power upside down. She said, it's not us, three women from a punk rock group that's on trial here. It's you, the Russian Federation. She basically said, it's not for you to judge us. It's for history to judge us all. And history will be the ultimate judge as to what, whether, we, whether our values are right or wrong. So that was the first most powerful thing that she said. How many people do you know have the confidence to do that before they're going to be sentenced to prison? Then the next thing she did was read out this, this brief statement, which is basically offering the hand of friendship to her opponents before she's punished, uh, before she's hurt. Now, that is a proper human rights defender. That takes courage and compassion. And again, she's being, she's calling for curiosity and not judgment. And if, if I, I wrote it down on a bit of paper, I keep it with me all the time. I'll read it to you. She said, I wouldn't give people labels. I don't think there are winners and losers here, injured parties or accused. We just need to make contact to establish a dialogue and a joint search for truth, to seek wisdom together, to be philosophers together, rather than stigmatizing and label, labeling people. That is one of the worst things we could do. That is so relevant to today. Yes. That's what all my work is about. To reach out, to philosophize together. Let's not label each other. Let's ask questions about each other. Because actually, there is no way you can solve the problems of today within our own silos. You can't call it a win politically if half the country feels they lost. That's not a win. 
that's your side one temporarily. But to do anything significant in history, you're going to need the other side to work with you. And so for Nadia to read this out, I just thought this has to go down in history as one of the most important speeches of our time. And I will use all my powers to remind our generation of how lucky we are to have people like Nadia as part of our framework, social framework. So I reached out to her and I said, let's, let's do a collaboration NFT. Let's, let's yeah. remind our generation that we all have to be activists together. And actually we all have to be leaders together all the time. There is no such thing as the person that stands behind the podium who holds all the cards and we just blindly follow them. That's over. Now we are all leaders together. And Nadia and her friends at Pussy Riot showed us that. And actually it's 10 years ago, almost to the month that they were formed. So I think it's a great celebration to see 10 years of, of social political activism, but also to see how relevant these universal themes really are. Some things date really badly, but if you look back at history, you can read a Martin Luther King statement or a Malcolm X statement or a statement by Gandhi or a statement by an activist like Nadia. And it will always be timeless because it will always be relevant. And the stories I'm trying to pump into these NFTs, I'm trying to find stories that will always be timeless and always be relevant because it's essentially about our human condition. And that goes back to Oliver Cromwell standing, you know, trying to change power and becoming a dictator himself when he held on to the reins of power. Does power corrupt us or does power, ultimate power, reveal who we always really were? When you have no one to tell you that this is wrong, all you have is your own sense of moral compass. These are things that will never be out of date to discuss these very difficult issues. And that's what I've been involved with all my life, the human condition. So tell me two last things. With the project with Nadia, how does it, what form is it in? What, what are the NFTs? So we've made an a, a NFT, which is like a film. Uh, and it's, um, uh, it's, she's reading that statement that I read out to you. Yeah. in her words and it's the first time as far as i know that she's ever said that statement in english okay. so i it really was a, a, a outreach to our generation mm. the english-speaking people uh uh to, to try and stimulate this wonderful uh debate and rekindle the spirit of optimism um so we've made this little film it's her voice reading it it's my pictures in it. Um, and on the set, when she originally came to see me with her friends, uh, they made Pussy Riot masks there and then in my studio. So they had some uh, hats and uh, it, it turned into sort of like, you know, play school. And they were cutting out the eyes with scissors <laughs> and it was messy. And, but that's how they always were. It was, it was never, 
these masks were never made by a big fashion house. It was like, this is homegrown. And they, they made them right in front of me. They put the masks on. I took pictures with and without the masks. And then they gave me the masks as a gift afterwards. So I've got them in my studio and I've kept them for 10 years. So uh, when I was making the film, uh, I used the mask that she gave me 10 years ago and it's also in the film. So it's got my pictures, it's got her beautiful voice reading this statement and it's a call to our generation to be less judgmental and more curious and to get involved. Can you imagine going through life and saying to your children or your grandchildren that I lived through one of the most extraordinary times and I didn't get involved? Mm. I can't think of anything worse. Yeah, I, I want to be able to say to my kids, I tried in every way I could to make life better for you. And I'm only a photographer. There's nothing. I've got no power. I'm just a messenger, really. Uh, but I'm doing everything I can do to get involved. And it's, a, it's such an exciting journey. It's such a beautiful way to look at the world, to be part of it. Uh, and it's difficult and there are risks and it's challenging but it's so stimulating and, and I'm living 200% alive, as Frank Lloyd Wright used to call it. Oh, I remember him. Wow, okay, so before I go on to my last questions for you, uh, legend.art, yeah. your drops. So you've done one, there's one coming up this week and they're gonna be a, a rolling a rolling um, series of, of drops of these irises. And yeah. people, when they buy them, they don't know who they are. And yeah. it's revealed when you purchase them. So then you, you, you know who it is afterwards. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. It's okay. a big game, you know. It's it's a game using this technology, but it's a game with very powerful undertones. So as as you said, you buy them, you don't really know what you're buying, and it's a reflection. It's like holding up a mirror to society, and saying you don't ever know anything anyway. You thought your heroes were heroes, and as time goes by, they all fall with corruption or you thought you had someone that you hated and gradually like Muhammad Ali was hated for a long time. Now we think of him as the greatest athlete in global history. You know, so you've got to ask questions and you'll find out the truth a lot quicker. Okay, um, be curious, so not judgmental, that's okay. Yeah. So what do you enjoy best um, about photography? Is it portraits? Is that or are you into landscapes or it no it's it's people for me mm -hmm. i've always uh, you know and i'm not even really i don't think i'm a photographer really i mean i'm i'm a storyteller okay. it so happens my my tool was a camera and it was like the key to get into the corridors of power that's how you know i mean if you become you know if you set yourself a goal to become one of the best photographers in the world the only good thing about that is that it gets you into extraordinary places. The rest is just nonsense. As I said, the illusion of supremacy. Okay. But it got me into crazy places like the Kremlin, like 10 Downing Street, um, like the White House. It, it got me on the run from secret police in Myanmar uh, when I was working with Aung San Suu Kyi. Uh, you know, it, it got me into some crazy situations with immigration in America, running, you know, dealing with drug cartels across the border. I mean, you know, you get you it gets you into the action. And that's what's interesting. 
Um, and if I can tell a story about my experiences and provoke that debate about society and get everyone thinking, oh, well, maybe I ought to have a think about this, then that's interesting. Mm. That's interesting. I, I was going to ask you about technology, but you already expressed a love for it. I was going to ask you, where do you put your photographs, but they're all in your studio? You don't have pe people in your little, the, the toilet, the downstairs toilet or anything, do you? Or if you don't like, <laughs> you consign them to funny places. Um, do you uh, do... Yeah. Do you do self-portraits? Uh, have you done so? Very rarely. I have done one of my eye, which was kind of fun. Um, I thought if I'm subjecting everybody else to this, I should subject myself to this as well. And I wouldn't have recognised my own iris. So that that's really interesting. But um, in a weird way, every one of my portraits is a self-portrait because I'm at least 50% of it. I don't take pictures from a safe distance across the street, or even I've seen a lot of photographers work and they are taking someone's picture, but they're not really collaborating. They're not really engaged. They just take what they're given and, and that's it. For me, if someone sits for me, it is a collaboration and it's half them, half me. So in many ways, every one of my pictures, whether it's Prince, whether it's George Clooney, um, whoever it may be i'm i'm 50 percent of that um so i'm in it and you can actually see a lot of the time my head is a little reflection in their in their eye so um you're doing cameo there. appearances like um, uh, yeah it's like hitchcock, hitchcock appearing hitchcock. in movies <laughs> like, so i'm there cool. somewhere i'm there somewhere yeah so do you think that it's finally you're into nfts now you're working with legend.art and do all some amazing things Will you still will you do a hybrid? Will you still do traditional uh, photography, or do you think yeah. you, so you keep them? Both I'm, I'm making movies now, so uh, oh. I'm making documentaries about um, our time, wow. and um, at the moment I'm making a film about poverty, mm. and um, uh, uh, and really amplifying the voices of people who are never listened to, and mm -hmm. that is going to shake up the world. To quote Muhammad Ali, that is going to shake up the world because I'm not. I don't see people who struggle as victims in society. What I see are absolute heroes and leaders. If you are a woman who's really poor and struggling in America, and you've got three children. And you've got to feed them, get them through school, get them through a, a struggling neighborhood and bring them up in a way that they will hopefully have a better life. That is an absolute leader of our time and an absolute hero, in my opinion. So I, I've always seen people as larger than life. Um, so for me to, to change the narrative and to, to show us people who are struggling as inspirational people of our time, that's interesting uh, and and we're drawn to that we don't shy away from that guilt and accusation we move away from and that's why we're never really interested in all these wonderful stories uh, because it tells us what we've done but if if you are shown these people and you sh they're shown to you as heroes and inspirational leaders historic leaders with important messages for us all, then we're drawn to it because we need answers ourselves. They have the answers. They know what it is to be courageous. They know what it is to just keep on going because there's no other choice. 
They know what it is to be resilient and they know what it is to be kind to their neighbors when they have nothing to give. Someone, a homeless guy once said to me, the neighborhood is all I've got, but that's all I need. Mm. And he was homeless. So you're teaching people how to listen. Yeah. And how to be better, how to be live a better life mm. and a, a more, more fruitful life, more inspiring life. Um, that's certainly what they've done to me, all these amazing people. Um, but photography is always a part of it. Because in a time when we're all moving at lightning speed, someone told me everyone's attention span is something like three seconds now on the internet. You'll probably know more about that than I do. You know, I mean, that means we're just not really no, thinking or really learning about really anything. Yeah, yeah, We're just moving and responding to a flicker of light. Mm. So a photograph stops. It's one five hundredth of a second. But if you get that right second, time stands still and you get to talk to yourself again and say, who am I? How do I fit into this world? How am I doing? How can I be better? And, and, uh, and how do we recalibrate the direction that we are on and fix it? And if we don't all play a part, we're screwed. But I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm a complete optimist. I believe this gen the younger generation today are amazing they they are really curious they are really they really care about the world they really care about the environment they are mad as hell that mm -hmm. our generation i'm an old geezer that we screwed it up yeah so it's about stoking that beautiful fire and saying come on folks you know let's i mean for young women they need to be nurtured from a very young age to be leaders. And they were not, they were not treated like no. that before. No. There was a knee-jerk reaction to get women on the board and get women in positions of power now. But those women were often put under extraordinary pressure because they were not nurtured the same way the men were. So we've got to go right back and we've got to um, create this uh, enhanced platform of leadership for young girls at the very beginning of their journey so that there's not a knee-jerk reaction at the top yeah it, it, it's 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 embedded in society's values so things like that are really changing and i i'm i'm really proud to like amplify a voice like nadia who has done that yeah but That's technology is is really important and you know i think uh people like legend are at the front of this thing yeah so no i love it i love your irises it's just the concept it's very clever be curious not judgmental so yeah. it's a very powerful thing thank you very much indeed thank it's you been fascinating talking to you clayton i really enjoyed it thank you thank you thank you for listening to these little messages and um good luck right fight the power <laughs> Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE and on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.